we skip messaging all the time in the online space because no one tells you that that's what you need. They're always selling you marketing. And I see this all the time and it really pisses me off. They're like, oh, I took this course and it didn't work for me. I couldn't even use the swipe files because I didn't know what to say in them. And I'm like, well, that's a messaging issue. Like you need to sit down and figure out what are the words and messages that need to power your marketing. This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind-the-scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss. Show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. On today's episode, I have the communication rebel herself, badass business owner Michelle Mazer. Michelle works with brilliant business owners who are shaking things up, but are having trouble talking about it. She combines the tools of successful social movements with the qualitative research skills she earned in her communication PhD to help them craft their powerful, captivating message. She's the author of the book, Three Word Rebellion, and has been featured in Fast Company, Entrepreneur, and Inc. And she knows that speaking about what you do in a clear and captivating way is the key to reaching the people you could help the most and making more money in your business. Today, we're going to chat about all kinds of things, like the problem with bro marketing. We lament about the prevalence of online courses from people who did something once and think they are an expert at it. And Michelle helps clarify the difference between messaging and copywriting. If you're a business owner who wants an impactful message, and yes, that's all of you, (laughs) I'm talking to you, you're going to love this episode. So buckle up. Here we go. So you have two podcasts. Um, One is currently on hiatus. So I do Duped with Maggie Patterson, which is all about the dark side of online business. And that one is, we wrapped season one. We're going to do season two in the fall. And that one's been, that's been, that's been a wild ride, quite frankly. (laughs) I'm dying to hear more about it. The dark side of online business. Do you guys get drunk and shit talk? We we don't actually. So we feel like we're more like the NPR of online business versus the like Daily Mail version where we're like shit talking people. But really, like Maggie and I had all of these conversations about what the hell was going on with online business and how we're taught to market and how we're taught to sell and how we use all of these like manipulative tactics and how we took Robert Cialdini's book Influence and just turned it into like a tactical guide to how to like dupe people. And we were also hearing from our clients and our friends that they bought into so many programs with these huge promises that didn't deliver. And so we would talk about this stuff all the time on Instagram and our DMs. And one day I was like, hey, Maggie, we should do a podcast on this and talk about these major topics that we're always talking about. So we've covered things like bro marketing, ethical in name only. One of my favorite episodes is about influencers versus experts and what the difference is. So we do a ton of research, like a ton, a ton of research on each episode so that you know how to like protect yourself from these manipulative marketing tactics. And you can start 
getting them out of your business. Because, I mean, like the way we've been bro marketing and all like income claim marketing, all of it, it's like the air we breathe online. And it's like, there's a different way to do this. Oh, I've struggled with that for years, too, as somebody who has learned from so many people and taken so many programs. And and frankly, even before my business, I'll give you a perfect example. In 2008, terrible timing, I was in real estate for a hot minute. That's when I decided to go into real estate because I knew so little about real estate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My husband did the same thing. So don't worry. About really? It. Yeah. <laughs> OK, cool. Yeah, I was just yeah, I wasn't really paying attention. So anyway. I was working for somebody and their tactics were to put up fake ads on Craigslist to get calls. <gasps> and then, you know, it's like, oh, that apartment isn't available, but I can show you other things. And it, oh, it was horrible. Like, I didn't want to do that at all. Yes. So I would, so I, I went to real places and I, you know, the, the open listings I was able to and I would take pictures and nobody wanted to talk to me because the real listings in New York City are not attractive when all the other listings are fake. And it was... And I, I, I felt like I had that same experience. I have had that same experience of so finding my own voice mm -hmm. and not being frustrated by it. It's frustrating. Wait a second. But, but even if it feels like bro marketing, people, they see the dollar amount and that's what they really want. So when you don't say that, it feels a little like they're okay, well, then they're going to go get duped by this person who's not going to help them. And I've really struggled with that. I mean, have, have, has that ever challenged you? I mean, you talk about this all the time. Tell me. Yeah, I feel like it is a challenge. And I also feel like when you're using tactics that aren't aligned with you, that, you know, violate your own personal ethics, your own personal values, those tactics never work as well. So despite all of the marketing claims that are out there, like using that type of marketing is just so antithetical to who you are and how you show up in the world. It's always going to be less effective because you're bringing that uncertain energy like, oh, I don't feel really good about saying it this way. And the thing is, is like, we don't have to say it this way. Like the whole online business world, we market like we're timeshare salesmen instead of marketing like we are honest to God business owners, like market like we're Microsoft or Nike. I mean, yes, we don't have those budgets, but they don't use any of the stuff that we're taught to use. They don't use those tactics. They don't use those strategies. Instead, they build out thoughtful messaging campaigns. They think a lot about the message that they're sending, because I feel like bro marketing is just this alternative to really underwhelming, lackluster messaging. And messaging is hard and we don't want to work on it because we just want somebody to give us a swipe file so we can send out the email. But if you are a solid business owner, who doesn't want to use those tactics, you've got to figure out how to communicate the value your business creates. And that's my bottom line on that. Like, yes, you can market in a different way. You can even take some of those tactics and debro them, but you really have to be a powerful communicator of the value your business creates, period. I love that you're anti-bro marketing. That's a great, <laughs> that's a great line. What would you call... 
what's bro marketing? All I could think of is Richard Richard Russell Brunson, Brunson. Yeah, Russell Brunson in front of a you know rented jet or a real jet. He's very wealthy. Yes, but who knows? So for me, bro marketing is the use of psychological triggers and tactics that shut down our critical thinking, take away our ability to actually consent to processing a message so that the other person makes a sale. Because that's, I mean, at its essence, that's what it is. Because we use all of these psychological triggers, scarcity, reciprocity, attractiveness, commitment and consistency, authority is such, like we've talked about authority on Duped quite a bit, but we use those and our brain loves those psychological triggers because our brain is like, oh, I need to conserve energy. I see these triggers. I don't need to think about this. Yay. And we don't want our brains to shut down when we're making purchase decisions that are thousands upon thousands of dollars. We should be critically thinking about that. So bro marketing is really effective at saying like, nope, you don't need to think about this. You just need to get your credit card out and buy my thing. I'm such a sucker for that stuff. <laughs> oh, we all are. Especially with all the information, like to your point, where it's like so much information, I need a way to cut through it and make some decisions. And how am I going to know what to listen to? And I look for these signals that tell me this is a good you know, valuable. Thing yeah. And our to. brain, our brain's job is to conserve energy, right? It wants to keep us alive. So it's always looking to like, okay, how can I like stop thinking or optimize this decision? Because we don't want to go to the grocery store and sit there for 20 minutes deciding on what box of cereal we should buy. We rely on like, oh, what's on sale or what what's familiar? What do I really like? And so when we're in those situations where we're buying something and our brain sees those triggers, it's like, mm, so good. I don't have to think about this. And then I think the other thing that plays into this is confirmation bias, right? We want to believe. So we are on a sales page and this person is showing you testimonials about how people 10x or I even saw one for 20xing their business. They made all of this money and our brain's like, right. Oh. When you started with a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's easy to 20x when you're like making a thousand bucks a month or 500 bucks a month. And so, but our brain, like, we're like, oh, like we want to believe. So we take in those testimonials and we're like, yep, this supports my belief that I should be buying this thing. So we don't think critically about it because yeah, as they said on the X-Files, I want to believe. We really, really do. And we, and we fill in the gaps, right? Like mm -hmm. our brains, we hear a couple of numbers and we fill in the rest about what it looks like to do that. Like I remember when I realized when people said I did a hundred thousand dollar launch, I filled in the gaps that their launch looked like my launch and that that hundred thousand dollars went in their pocket when they actually spent $120,000 on advertising, but they weren't trying to make money on that launch because they were trying to build their email list so they could sell something in the future. Something like that. Like there's all these other details. And it's not 
always the case, yeah. by the way. You know, I don't want to say everybody is saying things and this is not true, but there's always more to the story. So much context and nuance that's left out of those income claims because their brain's like, oh, I could have a $100,000 launch. But you don't realize the person who's saying that already had a list of 10,000 people who they've been nurturing for years and they're ready to buy. Like all of that context is left out. Plus we're fed messages like, oh, well, you can have a really successful launch on a super tiny list. But they also don't tell you like, oh, well, it's a very, very niche topic that they're covering. And they're like, literally the only person who talks about this. So yes, of course, they're going to have a bigger launch with a smaller list. But they leave all of that nuance and the caveats out of it. Like Maggie and I always joke on the podcast that we're like, we're all about team nuance and team critical thinking. (laughs) And I really wish like, Anytime I have any kind of like income claim testimonial, I make sure that I put the context around it. Like they already had a successful business. They implemented this messaging and then started to do like I have a brick and mortar. And that's like they started to do online marketing and online emailing and they added $2,000 a month of revenue. And it's like that's very concrete. It gives you more context than like, my clients make $2,000 a month in recurring revenue because of the messaging we created. That doesn't tell me enough. (laughs) I love that you said the nuance and the critical thinking part. We always used to, this was before Trump, this was back in the Obama years, because I had a hard time simplifying my message. And Steve would always say, you're you're being too Obama, you got to be more Bush. You know, Bush just says like really simple things, <laughs> and, like leaves it at that. And Obama's like taking all the points and like bringing all the critical thinking in. And you're tripping yourself up because when I would write articles, I would say something and I would want to then explain, except for this, and you have to understand this part, but, and it would get very complicated. So I agree with you 100%. And... In my experience, doing that can go off the rails and make your messaging really uh, convoluted as you try to explain so much stuff. Like, what do you, how do you marry these two ideas so that you can keep it simple while still being critical and nuanced? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of critical thinking and nuance and simplicity because simplicity is what my three word rebellion framework is all about. So for me, number one, it goes back to persuasive tactics. Like what are the persuasive tactics you're using? How are you using them? Are Could they be manipulative? Because you don't have to provide context for everything. Like if you're doing an informational article that's both like the goal of it is to give people a high level level overview of what your process is like or you know kind of like a how to thing like you don't need to give all the nuance because you're not really trying to manipulate anyone right you're, the goal there is to like put out great value nurture your community be helpful so it's a very different thing than selling so really when i think about simplicity A, it really is about consistency and staying on message. We have a huge issue with that in the online space. Like, oh, I always need to like 
change things up and create more social media and do more podcasts. And really the best messaging is something you're going to say like a million times over. So I always think about Brene Brown. Like she's an excellent storyteller. She's very like, I don't want to say simplistic, but she has nuance, but she's able to explain what her work so well. And the reason she's able to do that is because she's told the same stories a million times. She's talked about the same concepts a million times and has been able to refine them so that she knows that other people like understand. And when you're always creating more and more ways to talk about your business and more marketing and more, you know, like more content, whatever it is, that's when things really get convoluted because you're like, oh, I need to come up with a new way to say this or people will see that I'm repeating myself. And I'm like, "Mm -mm." no, you need to say just about the same thing in the same way, especially if you know it works. Yeah, get bored with your message. I tell people, I loved, you said something about being bored recently in that post I shared today. Yes. I love that you said that. I tell people, if you're not bored with your message, you're not, you haven't said it enough times. Yeah, it's so funny, cause like I've been, you know, I developed the three word rebellion framework, which is all about, you know, getting to the core essence of your message and creating something that's one of a kind. Like what is your start with why or five, second rule or four hour work week. And I developed that in 2016. And I have to tell you, I've been talking about it ever since. (laughs) And yeah, sometimes I get really bored with it. Like, oh, doesn't everyone know about this? Or doesn't everybody know I have a book called The Three Word Rebellion? And then I remember about a year after my book came out, a good friend of mine, like emailed me and she's like, oh, I didn't know about your book. And I'm like, how did you not know about this book? (laughs) I've been talking about it. Because we're not paying it that close attention, right? Like we're the center of our own universes and we forget that everyone else is the center of their universe. (laughs) And they might see your Instagram feed every once in a while and they're actually very happy to see the same thing, that consistent message over and over again, because that's why they follow you. That's what they like from you. They don't want to see something new every time. It's like not safe and comforting and... and Yeah, yeah, and they, you know, people, especially with online business, where you really don't know who the experts are and who are like the influencers who are just literally taking somebody else's program and passing it off as their own. And we have a lot of influencers in the space. Like if you like, when you're showing up consistently with the same message, sharing the same knowledge, people are like, oh, she really knows her stuff. And I mean, that kind of breeds trust. It shows your authority, like your real authority, not faking your authority with like rags to riches stories or however else we do that in the online space. But when you are that consistent, people can actually get to know your work and remember what it is you do. Yeah. And I like to tell people because I think everybody wants to be an expert right away. I mean, and And that's a great way to build a business, right? You want to be seen as an expert. So it's not a bad thing to want to be seen as an expert, but expertise is something that you build over time and you never get there, right? You just become more and more 
expert. So I, th- I think of it as like there's different levels of being an expert and it's okay to be at whatever level you are currently at. And as you, to your point, if you keep at that one idea and you keep building on it, that is how you actually become an expert. At least that was, that's my experience is that you can make yourself an expert by focusing on one thing and really pulling it apart and examining it from all different angles, but kind of sticking with that main idea for years. Yes, I think it is about mastery. And I love that you said that it's about pulling it apart and looking at it for all angles. Because I think a lot of the times what we see online is somebody did something once for their own business. And then a year later, they're teaching it, or they're having a mastermind around it. And I'm like, I've been following you for a while. You just started doing this last year for yourself. And now you're an expert in it with a year of experience. And then you're charging a crap ton of money for your mastermind. But where did they get the idea to do that? Yes. Bro marketing. Yes. Well, and everything that we're taught in the online space, it's like, yeah, if you do something once, then you and you had great results, you can now do it for other people, which you can. But I don't think starting off in a high level mastermind is the way to go. Like you really need to perfect your process on people who are not just you. Yes. You know, I do have a bone to pick with that because I do think there are a lot of people out there who are saying you can build an online business selling products from home, even even if you don't know how to do anything Mm -hmm. or, you know, even if you aren't an expert at anything, I'm sure you know how to do something that you can, you know, maybe you know how to, I don't know whatever you know how to do, like, let's figure it out and then let's make a course around it. And they sell that dream. And I run into a lot of people like that because I am not working with those people. And, you know, we both we both work with people who are selling services, right? They're selling their expertise. And I run into people who are selling their services, selling expertise, not particularly successful at it yet. And so they think that the courses or the products are the solution. But I'm saying if you're not successful at this yet, you aren't ready to go into the courses and solutions. So I'm always trying to, it's a tough, I mean, I'm, I'm in this spot a lot. I'm trying to explain to them, like, please don't go into that space. Not because I don't want you to go into that space, because I just don't, I think you're going to have a really hard time being successful there if you haven't mastered this first. And to your point, done this successfully with lots and lots of clients. That's actually where you build your unique process, your unique point of view, your three word rebellion Mm -hmm. focus. That's where you build it is through repetition with clients. And so I think people make that jump too quickly. And I, I feel like I'm a Debbie Downer to them a lot of times because they're looking at the marketing messaging that's saying, no, 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 you can, you did it once. That's fine. You can build a hundred thousand dollar passive income business. It's like, that is definitely not true. (laughs) So please don't do that. (laughs) No, please don't. I mean, it's funny. Like I talk a lot of clients out of that because we'll work on their messaging and then they're like, well, what do you think about me doing a membership site or a course? Because, you know, they bought Stu McLaren's program or, you know, they keep buying things. (laughs) And so they think that that's their next step. And I was like, I want you to get really good at selling your one-on-one stuff with this messaging. Get really good at delivering that. Get yourself booked up with clients and then 
you can think about courses. And a lot of times they feel relief because they think that's what they need to do to be successful. And I'm like, and I think that's all part of like how we crap on service providers all the time. Like, oh, you're trading dollars for hours. It's like actually being a service-based business owner, you can be wildly profitable. Like, that's what I do, and I'm doing pretty well for myself. And I just think they're like, oh, but this this is the dream because that's what's sold online. And it's like, no, don't do that. You have an audience of 20 people on your list. I'm like, nobody talks about the fact that their conversion rate's 1% to 3% and that you need to have a very large audience to make that sustainable. And you always have to be growing your audience to make it sustainable. So, yeah, I've, I've had this conversation many, many times of people. Me too. And I see it as like profitability in a service is how you create the extra income and the extra time that is absolutely required to scale a program. Like Mm -hmm. I have... I have done it and it has been very expensive time and money wise (laughs) because you because it doesn't just happen. You don't just follow it. There's a lot of testing and trial and error and you just can't do it when you're poor. Like you just can't because the second you don't sell a couple of these and they're lower price because they're that's the whole idea. It's a it's a quantity. It's a numbers game. The second you don't sell more than a couple of them. What are you supposed to do? Now you're desperate for clients and you've got this thing. And and I, I just see so many people not understand that because of the messaging. And it's it's mm-hmm. frustrating. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm right there with you. It frustrates me to no end to see, especially people who are excellent at what they do, go down this path. I mean, I tell, you know, like, Anyone who's like, oh, well, I want to be a course creator or have a community, I was like, well, you know that means your role is going to radically change in your business because now you really need to be a content creator and focus on you know, building your list out and being on social media and all the other things in addition to creating the course and testing the crap out of it. But your main job is being a content creator and it's like, is that what you want to do? Do you want to be blogging or podcasting or, you know, writing, doing YouTube videos all the time? Which you and I both are clearly into. Yeah, that. like I love doing it. Like, <laughs> like it's a great thing to do. But right. That's such a good point. What do you really want to spend the hours in your day doing? And if that's what you want to do, that that is a great idea to explore. But if you're not like, yes, put me on that camera, get me on that podcast, I want to be in the limelight all day, every day, then it's definitely not a good idea. You can't just, I don't know what people think they're going to do, post on social media. Yeah, or... or- or I, or I see people say like, well, I really do love working with clients, but I should probably have a course. I'm like, no, oh. no, you love working <laughs> with clients. That's awesome. Go work with clients. Do it. <laughs> well, as you said, a lot of people shit on the service providers. I agree, but I feel like it's only the people who are selling something that is not service providing. So, I mean, that's kind of part of this marketing ploy is, okay, well, what is this not so I can show that I am against this thing, which, you know, against marketing is something I've used many times. So, yeah, I think, well, what I see, especially like the bigger names in the industry, when they are selling their course and products, you hear things like, oh, you're trading dollars for hours. You're going to be so burned out, like seeing clients. It's never going to be profitable. You can't get yourself out of your business. You know, so service, you, you shouldn't 
be providing one-on-one services. And I'm like, okay, but is there a universe where like the opposite is true? (laughs) Like that you can manage your time, you can be extremely well paid. You don't have to have like 40 clients in order to be profitable or pay yourself well. I even saw it on Instagram yesterday, some woman talking about you've got to stop trading dollars for hours. And I'm like, why is that a problem. Like only in the online space is that a problem. Like if you are an employee, that's exactly what you're doing, but you have no control over how much you charge for your time. So yeah, the bigger names in the field who are seen as the so-called thought leaders are always purveying that message. It's definitely a part, it's definitely a bro marketing message. And so then it gets in our brains like, oh, that's the way to have a profitable, profitable business. That's the way I have to scale. Well, when it comes to products and selling courses, until you have hit a certain critical mass, you are also trading dollars for hours. And it is not a lot of dollars for every hour (laughs) because it is a numbers game. So until you have gotten it to a certain level of income and it's reliable and you have all sorts of systems, I've set up different systems like this over the years. I mean, they require an incredible amount of time and money to set up. And all of that time, you're not making money. So you just have to realize that there is always some sort of trade-off. And you absolutely are trading dollars for hours until you hit that critical mass. And a lot of people can't hang on that long, especially if you're not starting with 10,000 people on your list, you know, tons of people following you, a big audience. If you have no audience, you can't sell products um, unless you have some some trust fund that's going to pay for you to scale up with ads, in which case you need to understand you're doing a big investment up front in order to do that. And that is possible. If you have a trust fund, <laughs> you can buy followers and, and this can happen much more quickly. But most people are not. No. In that situation. No, no. And so, and you know, like I even think about stories about people that like Amy Porterfield or James Wedmore have shared on their shows about how like Lewis Howes, you gave them their big break and got them in front of his huge audience. And I'm like, yeah, no wonder it was so easy for them to get into courses so quickly because they had access to a large amount of people, which is something we don't talk about in the online space that a lot of these people who got their big breaks early on had access to huge audiences. Yes, everybody. It's all about the audience (laughs) when it comes to products. Okay, well, but I want to talk now a little bit more about your, even though you've been talking about it for five years, (laughs) three-word rebellion, (laughs) what you've built your whole brand around. How did you, I mean, you're clearly an academic. How did you end up here from academia? I am obsessed with communication. Like, I've been obsessed with communication since high school. Do you have a great marriage? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I have that too. (laughs) You must. That's the key, right? I know, I know. I'm so, and I know all the theories. (laughs) 
But I, yeah, I was just obsessed with communication. And that really led me to get my PhD because I love learning and gaining mastery. I love doing research. I didn't love being a professor. It's very isolating. You don't have that same camaraderie that you had in graduate school of exchange of ideas. I love the teaching of it. I hated the politics. And so when I decided to leave academia, like this is what, 2006? This is like before there was online stuff about how you can transition to, from being an academic to like having a job or creating a business. There was none of that back then. So what I ended up doing is I moved from, I was a professor at the University of Hawaii. I quit my job. I moved to Seattle. Are you from Hawaii? No, but that's where I got my professorship. So that's, that's nice. went, went, yeah, like I was luckier than like my colleagues who ended up in like northern Iowa. <laughs> but Hawaii has its own like Hawaii has its own challenges living there. Like it's a like I love going there. I love visiting. Living there was really hard. Like it's yeah, it's it's very isolated. Like you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean or Pacific Ocean. So I left and I moved here and I ended up, I was like, okay, I have these great research skills. In the back of my head, I was like, oh, I really want to be doing a business. But I'm like, I didn't know how to do that or what that could look like. So I ended up in market research, which I'm grateful for because it taught me so much about business and how businesses market, how they test messages, how they create messages, which was so helpful. And eventually one of my friends said, you know what, Michelle, just start a blog, start anything because you have this wealth of knowledge about communication that you're not using. And my business started from a blog. I was originally doing public speaking coaching, like creating keynote speeches and speaker marketing. So it was still messaging. And then I hate the speaking industry. I guess you should know that about me. I think it's very exploitive of speakers. They don't want to pay the talent and the expertise on stage unless you have like a best-selling New York Times book. You know, like it's 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 whacked. <laughs> like that industry is totally like just bananas. And during that time, I was like, I can't talk about this stuff anymore. My heart's not in it. And that's when I got the download for the three word rebellion, because what was happening was like, I was noticing like all of these social movements, like Black Lives Matter, Me Too, Time's Up. And I thought, you know, what's really interesting is that those movements do the same thing as some of my favorite entrepreneurs, like Simon Sinek, Start With Why, Mel Robbins and the Five Second Rule. They communicate the change they want to create, the value they're creating in the world, in just a few words that gets people intensely curious. Because that's what your three-word rebellion's job is, to make people stop and be like, what is that? I want to know more. How does it apply to me? And then I was like, well, I wonder if I took questions from social movement theory, like, what are you rebelling against? What change do you want to create in the world? And let my clients just empty their brain out on those questions. And I was like, could I get to their core message? And so my clients are lovely and let me experiment. And it worked. Like, I was like, oh, this is actually a very effective method for 
getting to your core message, like getting your ideas out of your head and onto paper, being able to look at the words you're using, your turns of phrase, and then creating a three-word rebellion from that. And then once you have that three-word rebellion, you've got to come up with other messages that actually support it. Because if you get people's attention and they're like, that sounds cool, tell me more. And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to talk about this thing. But once you have that core message, then it's the linchpin of all your other messaging and how you can move people from being strangers into being people who are interested in your work. Whew. I absolutely love it. it. And it's so core to every everybody's business. And it's something a lot of people don't put any time Mm-mm. into or they just skip right over. And it's also hard to do in the beginning, would you say? I mean, and so I'm going to caveat this. So if you are an expert and you know how you want to work with people, so you're taking expertise from other places and starting your business, you can get into messaging sooner. But if you're just trying to find your way, like, it's gonna be a lot of trial and error before you have like a proven offer that you can then do your messaging around. Yeah, that's a perfect, perfect distinction. I actually, when I work with clients, I tell people I don't work with startups for this exact reason, right? Like we're building brands and for me to build a successful brand for you, it can't come out of thin air. I can't just hypothesize it. I mean, I, I can, but it's not gonna work. So I tell them they have to have experience, but the caveat is you might have a lot of experience just not in your own business. And that's where it gets a little murky. And then I have to dig deeper and figure out, well, how much experience and how much is it like your own business versus just knowledge that you're gonna have a really hard time translating Yeah, to. like. Like for me, I want to make sure they've been working with clients in some form, right? Like they have client experience. And most of my people come to me and they're they're doing great work with their clients, getting great results for their clients, but they've just had to rely on word of mouth marketing or referrals. Their marketing is sporadic and random because they don't know how to communicate what it is their business does. And plus my people tend to be doing things differently. They're innovating in their space. They're combining like they're multi-passionates who are combining like 20 different techniques to get a result. And they don't know really how to talk about that either. And the other thing that you said is like, we skip messaging all the time in the online space because no one tells you that that's what you need. They're always selling you marketing. But what people, where people struggle in those courses and their programs, and I see this all the time and it really pisses me off, is that they're like, oh, I took this course and it didn't work for me because I didn't know what to say for the webinar I was supposed to build or my marketing. I don't know how to answer the questions. Yeah, they, they don't, they've right? not sat down. And I'm like, I couldn't even use the swipe files because I didn't know what to say in them. And I'm like, well, that's a messaging issue. Like you need to sit down and figure out what are the words and messages that need to power your marketing? Because it's impossible to market at scale or even like do social media consistently. Like if you don't know what it is you're supposed to be saying and you don't know what to say that actually matters and resonates with your people. Yeah, I actually found that, um, you know, we evolved. So you may not know this. We evolved from a freelance design business 
to a branding business to a branding business that also does a lot of business strategy. And that entire evolution was because of this exact challenge. People coming to us for design, it's the same thing. I need a website, I need a logo. And it was like, okay, but I can't make this for you unless I really understand what you're trying to communicate. And so what ended up happening organically over time was, it was basically like, okay, well, I'm not even gonna sell this to you. I'm just gonna do the strategy so that I can do my work well. And then as I did that, it became business strategy too, because that kind of is part of it when you're a small business. Your business strategy and your brand strategy are very intertwined and your messaging, they're all going to influence the design. So we it ended up becoming this branding strategy uh, company where the design, it's like, yeah, the design is good. Don't worry about the design. It's easy when you know what your strategy is. It's actually quite easy for a good designer to make something. And so what we ended up doing is kind of thinking that the strategy and the messaging, because people didn't get it and they didn't want to buy it, it, we had to like fold it in and like not make them think that they were paying more for it, but that they were just getting it as part of the package. Things have evolved a little bit. I think people are more under, they at least know that they need branding or brand strategy or messaging. I think it's a little more common now than it was, you know, even five or six years ago, but. Well, yeah. and I did like for the Rebel Uprising podcast, I recently did a podcast on like, what's the difference between messaging, copy and marketing? Because people, Ooh. I mean, especially my copywriter friends, they're like, thank you for creating this because the copywriters, like, they're like, oh, you're going to do my messaging for me. And it's like, no, that's not their actual job. And but and not all copywriters know that either. No, no, they don't. They don't. And then they wonder why they're struggling with their clients. I was like, well, you're struggling with your clients because they don't know what their message is. So you don't have anything to work off of in order to produce really good copy. It has nothing to do with your copywriting skills. Right. But the copy is what they it's what they see. It's what they know. It's the tangible part. It's just like the marketing. So many people come to me and and they're like, I, I just need I need more leads. I need to get more leads. It's like you don't need more leads. You don't, you can't do anything with leads. They don't want to hire you <laughs> because you don't know who you sell to. You don't know what you're selling. You don't know why they should. You're talking to your ideal clients. You just don't know them. So many people say to me, I just need to get in front of the right clients. I don't know how to access the people who will pay me money. I said, if you, if that person was sitting right in front of you, they wouldn't hire you because what you're saying is not resonating with them. But that's, it's like a, was the human brain or just our society like we don't want to hear that i just want the leads <laughs> yeah but if you don't know how to communicate the value of what you're creating yeah marketing doesn't matter leads don't matter because you're right they're not going to buy from you because you're not speaking their language and what's you know shocking to me is most of those people have access to like tons of intake forms they've gotten from clients from from potential clients over the years so they have all of the client languaging it's not like they need to go out and do a research study, although sometimes that's very helpful if you do a little focus group. I of, bet you love that. I do. Whenever a client's like, oh, I've done <laughs> focus research. groups or I've done some client research, I'm always like, oh, yes, give that to me. <laughs> because, I mean, one, if you have that, like writing copy is actually really easy because you know what they're saying and how they're thinking about it. It took me a while to figure out that people didn't understand what messaging was. Like the people who were um, 
took a ton of programs and never got results, they figured it out. And I'm like, oh, I've got to do a better job of talking about like what messaging is, what role it plays in your business, how you use it in marketing, sales, copy, PR. Because yeah, like corporate, you talk about that stuff all the time, (laughs) not an online business. Mm, I love that you're bringing that up and making that distinction. I mean, that's not a distinction that I say out loud, even if I know what it is. I think that's a really important conversation that needs to be pushed out there. I'd love to hear this podcast. Everyone go listen to this podcast episode. We'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, it's called like, what's the difference between messaging, marketing and copy? I think (laughs) that's so great. And actually, you know, I'm, um, I've, pivoted, I don't know if you know, like in the last this year. Yeah. So I, I, it's not that it's so different. It's just that I've niched back down. It's all the same stuff, kind of, but I'm only training small creative agencies on our business model, right? Like all the different ways that we do business and how we made it super profitable to our point and our love letter to service businesses. (laughs) Like it absolutely can be profitable and lean and free and all of those things. But one of the things I've, I've seen a lot is that there's a lot of small agency owners who really shy away from the copy or they say, I don't wanna do the copy. And you're making me realize something that I've been explaining to them, but I wasn't being as clear as you're being right now, which is, because I, I basically told them, no, you're doing the messaging strategy. It should be easy for you to hand this over to a copywriter. You've already done the work. You don't need to write the copy. But if you don't do the strategy and you just hire a copywriter, that's where all the problems are going to happen because, and this is what I didn't say, but I'm going to say this to them right <laughs> after this. If you don't hand it over, even if you did the work, if you don't hand it over to the copywriter correctly as messaging, then you're asking the copywriter to come up with the messaging and they don't know the messaging because they aren't FaceTiming with the client or doing anything. They're just there to write copy. That's a great, great distinction. Yes, yeah, because I mean, you. there's a reason copywriters have huge intake forms. And like for me, the deliverable I give my clients is called the brand message guide. And it's usually pretty substantial. It's like, 20 pages of like, this is what your message is. Like, this is your three word rebellion. This is your client empathy map, how, what they're saying, what they're thinking, what they're doing. This is your client decision journey. So how you're getting them from like not knowing you to buying in. And these are the key messages and some content and your calls to action. And then here are your signature stories. And if you have that, you hand it to a copywriter and they're like, oh, thank God, (laughs) it's all here. And yes, they might have a few follow-up questions, but when I've worked with clients and copywriters together, it's so much easier because the copywriter can focus on translating the message into copy that actually converts. Yes, and you can also use that for your own business when you are are outsourcing marketing. So why... Why does marketing, quote, not work for 90% of the people? It's because they don't know what their message is. So you can post online a bazillion things. And if you don't have clarity around what you're marketing and how you're supposed to say it and how you're going to stay on message that entire time, nothing's going to happen. But, but in my experience, tell me if you agree, there's no barrier to entry to be a marketer. And so, and there's a lot, and I, and I think it's a, these are, these are high level concepts that you have to have a deep understanding of what's going on to really grasp 
I mean, I, I think someone could even hear what you're saying right now and not quite understand it in a way that would be implementable, like because you can fill in the gaps with your own interpretations of what these words mean and and think messaging might, you know, you might just conceptually think it's simpler than you're saying. So there's so many marketers out there who are selling. I think genuinely they don't know they're selling snake oil, <laughs> they don't. but I think they are because they don't know what they don't know, which is that they don't know that their clients that they're paying them don't have this messaging in place. So they're just creating kind of fluff. Count. Yeah. Well, and then they don't know since they're marketers, they might not be skilled in pulling your message out of you and creating that. And they don't know the different components they need. They might know about the unique selling proposition and can try to help you with that, but they don't know the nuance of it and all the things that you actually need to like have in a message in order for it to be effective <laughs> for your marketing. So I, you know, it's like, I also feel for those marketing people. And I mean, and I also feel for like my clients who come to me, like I have a client who's like, you know, I've done multiple pro programs and they told me they'd help me with my messaging and my copy. And then it never happened. And I'm like, well, there's a reason for that, that they don't know how to help you with your messaging and copy. And they sold you something that wasn't true. Well, it's also the, because I've taken, I've seen quite a few programs, I've taken quite a few programs. They all start with that because they all know that you can't do whatever it is they're selling until you get this right. But to your point, that's not really their area of expertise. No. And when you're, I mean, and here's the thing about those courses and programs, when you are so close to your message, you can't see Very it hard. for yourself. Like it's the curse of knowledge and what you think is important, your client might not think is important. And so when I'm working with someone, I mean, it's a bit like therapy where I'm well, that's why we call it a brand shrink. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm just I'm working with them. I'm asking them questions. I'm pulling things out. I'm critically listening for turns of phrase that they might use. You know, I'm also like looking at all of their free writing and looking at their website or like listening to a couple of their podcasts just to like see what the language is they're using so I can help them distill and clarify and unearth what their three word rebellion is. And then we can do the, the deeper work of creating all the messaging that supports that. But I don't think, you know, in a course doing an ideal client avatar, like, yeah, it's, oh, I hate, I hate those. Avatar, I know. Yeah. I'm all like, they're not real people. Stop doing them. They're not very helpful. Like, base your stuff on real people. <laughs> it's so much easier. Real people. Just think of a real client <laughs> that you want to have a hundred Yes, of. like the, <laughs> your best tenant. client that you just want to, like, clone. Like, that's who you should be doing this work on. But then they just give you, like, all of these questions and all of these swipes, and you're just too close to get any clarity. And then if you can't get that, then you can't move on in the course. So then it just dies, you know, in your internet in, or your inbox or and you don't do anything with it. And that's just then it becomes like a waste of money. I agree. Oh, look at us. We just <laughs> I love how aligned we are. I <laughs> well, I think this is where you end up, right? So, Michelle, what's like, what's the big next goal for you? And I, I don't want to box you in if you're somebody who doesn't like 
to set those goals because that's a whole thing now too. The anti-goals. <laughs> the anti-goals. Yeah, it's been interesting because I have spent like the first six months of this year really just refining my process, like getting even clearer about the value it creates and what it takes for me to show up at my best to deliver the three-word rebellion messaging services. So I've done a lot of that work and I'm about ready to update my book and re I mean it's just a expanded revised edition because I published it like two and a half three years ago and now I'm just like I know so much more about this now that I want to put out there that can help people who want to DIY their three-word rebellion like what do you mean how are you going to change it so pretty much what I'm doing is I've added one new chapter lot about the intrigue loop, which is about how you can test whether or not you have a good three-word rebellion or if it ends up just being a dead-end three-word rebellion that doesn't actually make people curious. Because people would show up in my DMs and be like, so what do you think about this three-word rebellion? I'm like, I think I get paid for that. <laughs> like, like that That's like my job. <laughs> So I wanted to create something that would help people kind of think through it. So I have stuff about the intrigue loop. I have new examples of three-word rebellions. I added a third type of three-word rebellion to the mix. So, uh, so, and what's great is I'm a self-published author, so I control the book. So if I want to add stuff to it because I think it's important and critical for people to know, I can do that. And I'm also going to finally do an audio version of the book because people keep asking me for it. And it's funny because my book is like really interactive. It's all about the exercises. I was like, why would I do an audio version? What, do you just want me to yell at you to do the exercises? And I was like, wait, that actually might be a really good take. So I'm working on that. And then I have a mastermind kind of brewing in my head about because I feel like I'm at the point where I'm ready to scale into that and kind of have a bigger leadership position. But really, the mastermind, the focus would be like, how do you get your message out into the world and giving other amazing business owners a place to do that and get feedback along the way so that people actually know your business exists and that you're awesome at what you do. That sounds perfect. Can I ask you a quick question about your uh, logistically? Sure. (laughs) Since I have you, are you going to publish it, like republish it on Amazon? Or are you going to switch it out? Or, you know, you have all these reviews. I know. I think I'm just going to republish it. Like just re-upload it yeah and you know like you can change the title to second edition or revised and expanded but uh, yeah because I have like over 100 reviews at this point I'm like I do not want to lose the listing and the core parts of the book are intact like I'm not really deleting anything it's really just expanding what is there That sounds amazing. And you have a free taster of your process for my listeners, is that right? Yes, I do. And you can get that at threewordrebellion.com. You can spell out the word three or just the number three word rebellion and it'll take you to the same place. So yeah. So if you're curious about what the process is like and just want a taste of it, that's where you can head to. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the show, Michelle. It's been such a pleasure chatting with you. I feel like we are soul sisters on all of this stuff. Excellent. It's been so much fun to talk with you about all of these things about marketing and messaging. If you were picking up what Michelle was putting down, then you definitely need to download her free taster of her fabulous book, 
and her process, 3WordRebellion at 3WordRebellion.com. Taking inspiration from Michelle today. How's your messaging going, huh? Do you know what you do and don't say to connect with your audience? Or are you just winging it every single time? Knowing your messaging, as we just discussed, makes writing copy, any copy, so much easier for you or anyone that you hire. So if you struggle with marketing your business, if you feel like marketing is such a slog, if you don't know what to say, if you don't know where to say it, this is probably a messaging issue. And look, it's not easy. It's really hard to do for yourself. But there are awesome people out there like Michelle and like me, hint, hint, who can help you if you're stuck. So you should definitely grab her book. And if you are a small creative agency owner and you need help with this, you should definitely DM me or send me an email. This is what we help you with in the No BS Agency Mastery Program, where I help small creative agencies become more profitable without necessarily growing a large team. In fact, you can do it even if you're just one person. Because as Michelle pointed out, you really can run a very profitable and very enjoyable and flexible business selling one-to-one services. Once you get your messaging right, your processes right, your systems right, all of that. And once you master it, once you master your one-to-one service, you're going to have the freedom and money to move into other areas if you so choose in the future. So if you don't know your messaging or if you've never even thought about whether you do or don't, take inspiration from today's conversation and take a second look. That might just be your next step to showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Steve Wastervall. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. Mm-hmm.